Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. I am your host, Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. I'm Phil Corman with Brushwork Minis. And joining us from Alaska again is Carlos. Carlos! What's going on, guys? Good to be on. Welcome back to the show, part due. So you uh, you decided to give it, a, give it another go. You, you were brave enough to come back. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I mean, where can you talk about this kind of stuff with anybody who really cares? That's true. So you went from being a fan to being a, being a star. Um, so it is our Thanksgiving episode it is episode 18 and we are broadcasting uh, live on November the 19th 2015 Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving and all things tank related we're going to be going into tank techniques and talking about how we paint them why we love them what we do with them Uh, but before we get into all that we're going to jump right in with on the painting desk um, what are you guys working on on your desk this week? That's what we want to talk about. That's what we want to know about. Um, I'm going to kick it off this week. Um, since the last podcast, I finished up some bronze level towel. Uh, bronze are kind of a new, uh, a new level on our site. It's the lowest level white metal offers. Um, and it's kind of just below tabletop scale. It's really kind of comparable to what I think the average new painter does. And we kind of offered up there as a really cheap option for people that are interested in having models done, but don't maybe have the budget to support it. So we whipped through that army and got that done really quick. And that had been sitting on my desk for a long time and I had just mm-hmm. kind of been putting it off. Um, and then following that up, I immediately finished up some Glade Guard, which is a really nice transition away from all that red. So I went right from red to a very chromatic difference with all the big greens. Um, and that was done for a local gamer buddy of mine. Um, and then I am back on track with this Blood Raiden's ridiculousness and this huge, massive army that I've been talking on and off for for a couple months now. Um, for those people just tuning into the podcast, some of our clients um, are, are smaller clients that only have a few models to give us. Some of our clients are massive clients that, that definitely pay our overhead. And this is one of those. He's a long-term client that we really like. And uh, he uh, brought us a Blood Raven project slash Tyranid project a few months ago. And, man, it's just been kicking our asses ever since then. It's just been model after model. I've got 40 Terminators on my desk that are about 75% of the way done. I did three, I did three Storm Ravens last week. And there really is, there's really no end in sight. They, mm. just, they just keep going. <laughs> so that's what's keeping me busy. Carlos, what are you working on these days? Well, I haven't been quite as prolific. I've been working on a Razorback. I'm just painting it up for a local competition online. You know, no... No prizes, just pride on the line, and I've been using a lot of the weathering techniques we're going to talk about in the episode, and uh, one of the things that I think, uh, I might upload those pictures, and I think one of the things you'll notice is that everybody always says, well, I didn't, I, why is it so light? It looks like a Space Wolves tank, and the reason why is because if you go real dark on the base coat, then you can't really see all those nice effects that you put into it, that's so true. that's what I've been doing. Um, so it, it is a Space Wolf tank, yeah? Uh, no, it's actually, I, I paint Ultramarines. It's just oh, it's okay. very, very kind of lighter blue. Do you um, do you start with, because I know a lot of people, they'll start, so there's a lot of different schools of thought on this. Some people start with a mid-tone so that they have somewhere to go with their shadows and highlights. Some people start with their darkest and they work up to their highlights. What do you normally do? Do you start somewhere in between or do you kind of start from the lowest angles and go up or? 
Um, on this tank, I use um, one of the techniques that we might talk about, which is the black and white priming technique. So yeah, I did sure. a, a gradient on the model before I ever painted it of from kind of a very dark gray up to white. Mm -hmm. And then I missed it on the base coat, which is it's just one single color. Do you thin out the base coat at all? So because I find with that technique, with the grayscale technique, as I like to call it, uh, if your color's too opaque, it kind of like it can kind of shortchange your hard work you did in the early beginning. Um, yeah. So do you do you kind of thin out your color, or do you just kind of lay it right on? Uh, no, I thin it. You have to thin it way down, otherwise you you kind of what you do is you destroy all <laughs> all the time you spend doing the pre shade. So I thin it down probably maybe eight to one, ten to one, wow. and then That's it takes uh, about probably three or four, maybe even five coats to build it up. You just kind of miss the color on until it starts to get to the right, you know, kind of. Do you find that the color breaks apart when you get it that thin down? Like, cause I saw um, with some no. colors, like they, they don't do very well when you thin them too much. They mm -hmm. kind of like, I don't know, I don't know what the technical yeah. term for it is, but yeah, um, they lose elasticity. Can, what you can do is you hold it a little bit further back. So that way it kind of has a little bit of time to dry. Cause if you spray the model very close and it's very thin like that, just like you're saying, it'll, it'll just squirt everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Cool, man. Well, I can't wait to see some of the pictures from that. That sounds really great. Um, and this is for like a local kind of like friendly bragging rights competition. Yeah, just a Facebook group. You know, we yeah. we've been doing it the last few months. I mean, they're everywhere now on the internet. I just every yeah. time I go to it, like, hey, send us your model pictures. Sure, I think that's great. I mean, the community spirit is is definitely rambunctious. I like it. Um, we have a local group like that there, and I I must confess, I do not upload pictures as often as I probably should. Um, but I'm uploading them everywhere else, so I feel like I'm just exhausted by the time it gets there. <laughs> Um, the one nice thing about Facebook is you can share. What I should probably do is just start sharing posts. So, uh, Philip, what are you working on right now? Well, uh, last, I guess it was Sunday, we finished up the RPG commission. Um, so that's out the door and been shipped. The Still working on the Brotherhood of Ultramar. Yeah. Got uh, about 30 or 40 of those guys that I'm still working on. Um, and then I'm also doing Tau. So I've this been is working your personal Tau, right? Personal Tau, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Caleb, you actually got to see this. It's a, I got to um, see the storm surge. Yeah, like he yeah. Is, I had never seen him in person. He is massive. It's quite big. Yeah, yes, big. and then you made him even bigger by putting him up on like a base that had like rocky outcroppings. Yeah. So yeah. if he wasn't already tall enough, you know, <laughs> I did want to ask you a question about that because I noticed on your guy, uh, so he's kind of up on some rocks, and I noticed on the model picture on the GW site they have these kind of support struts, almost like mm -hmm. an ankle. Kind of, you might think of it that way. Yeah. Um, that are kind of meant for, I guess, balancing so so big a model, kind of like that. So did you, I didn't even pay attention on yours. Did you use yours, or were they kind of like... You can build it in one of two ways. So it's supposed to represent whether or not you've anchored it. Oh, okay. Because if you do, then it can shoot twice in oh, the following round. Good. So um, I didn't build it with the anchors. Oh, okay. But uh, So I guess in game, you could still say that it is anchored. Yeah. It just wouldn't be represented on the model. Exactly. Kind of a WYSIWYG kind of, you know, kind of thing. Uh, very cool. Um, and just to go back for a second, so the RPG figures, those were that was a complete gold project from beginning to end, top to bottom. Every mm -hmm. model on that was gold. We have been posting pictures exclusively all week on our Facebook page or also on our, well, I guess we're not exclusively posting them everywhere. They're on our Flickr page. They're on our White Metal page. Um, so you can see them everywhere. Um, and uh, with the exception of Ebonrath, all of those were painted by Philip. 
Um, so definitely check out his work. He did a killer job on all those. The client was very pleased. That's always nice to hear. Yes. <laughs> um, and we're hoping that he'll bring some repeat business to us. And that's kind of like the goal, right? You, know, you have a mm-hmm. client in, you please them. Hopefully they come back bringing some more business. Um, traditionally, this is kind of a, a dead time of year for commissions where most of the time I've learned people are saving up for the holidays. People are putting their money aside. But this year it's actually amped up. We've actually had more business. Yeah. That's been really good. So the Brotherhood of Ultramars is rolling right out. We're expecting that done in a few weeks. And we actually just got in a brand new commission. They haven't arrived yet, but they're called, this guy, he sent them, he's sending them in. They're called the Helios Guard. They're his own unique chapter. And they're like a red, white, a red, bone white, silver chapter. And they're real cool looking. Um, hmm. But, uh, you know, I haven't, even, I haven't even mentioned them to you yet because they're going to be, we're going to kind of put it as part of the restoration service. So we have a restoration. I've done restoration in the past. By restoration, what I mean is, People send in models in all sorts of different conditions. In this case, they are painted already and they have to be stripped. So Hmm. basically the process for that is to soak them in degreasers. If they're pewter, you can soak them in in stronger solvents. And then you basically dissolve that paint. You scrub it down with brushes without damaging the plastics. And it's a long process of of soak and repeat and rinse and scrub and repeat. Um, and so he's sending in like, I don't know, 20 or 30 figures that all have to go through that. So this will be the first major project we've done where it starts out with already painted figures. And then obviously at the end of the project, the goal is to make it look like they are brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very excited for those guys to come in so we can kind of get, kind of get a jump on that. Is that an additional, um, service that you guys are offering? Yeah. So in the past we've done it on a case by case basis, but like all services, when you start to do it more and more, you kind of have to come up with a, a nomenclature for how to charge for it. And, and so to make a long story short, the simple rule of thumb is it costs about the same as assembly. So if a figure, and we consider assembly to be about 25% of cost at, at tabletop level. So if let's say a figure costs you 10 bucks, we charge about 250 to put it together, which means that if you send it to us already assembled, we're basically charging you 250 to strip down the paint which I don't think is that bad because it's a pretty involved process. Um, and if people wanted to save money, they could strip them themselves. Mm-hmm. The number one question I get from clients is, does it look good when it gets stripped down? Yeah. And in my opinion, it looks fine. Like, I've painted up many repainted figures. I've always been an advocate of looting armies um, and finding old figures on eBay. And part of the point of this is just to sort of prove that models can have a second life. Like, they don't mm-hmm. have to die after the first coat of paint is on them. Like, you can strip them down and start over. Um, it's never as good as a brand new figure, but it is much cheaper. So that's, it's in my opinion, it's kind of the best option. Um, do you ever strip down your figures, Carlos, or are you a scratch guy? Do you start from scratch and from scratch every time? Well, that's funny you should ask, because right now I've got a bunch of guys in an ultrasonic cleaner. So, yes, I do strip guys down. I can tell you... Vallejo game color is a bitch to try to get off. Yeah, yeah. The, some of those, like some of them, are just just tougher with their um, their binders, mm-hmm. and they just cling to the plastic or they cling to the metal. And by no means do I ever think that you get all the paint off. That you get most of the paint off. But what, Philip? You're looking at me kind of funny. What's your experience with stripping? Well, I actually have models. I was always models, recommended. Yeah. Um, the product I told you about was LA's Totally Awesome. Yeah. It's a, oh, you yeah. pick it up at the dollar store. It's yeah. literally a dollar for probably like a quart of this stuff. Right. And it it's amazing. Like right. I've I've stuck a model in it for a minute 
and it's already cleaning off. So it's tank. basically like a high quality like degreasing agent. Or yeah, but like it's that. meant. It was actually made, I think, for cleaning like your house. Like yeah. it was, you can clean your you know, floors with it, walls, everything. It just takes everything off, um, and it's not harmful. You don't need to wear gloves or anything. But it's cheap nice. and it's extremely effective. What's it called again? LA's totally awesome. LA's totally. We'll have to put a, a link in mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, what do you use when you strip down models, Carlos? Um, I've had good luck with Super Clean. You can get it at Walmart. It is a little bit stronger, though. So if you're gonna, you know, be using it, you probably should be wearing gloves. Yeah, you know, when I use them, I use like Purple Power, which I get in a very concentrated formula. And the nice thing about it, the concentrated version, is it is powerful. You can dilute it, and I often do. And the other thing I tell people is that you, what I do is I bought like an old Kool-Aid pitcher, and I soak my stuff in that. And I just I keep the degreaser in it for, I don't know, I probably keep the pitcher full probably for, I don't know, a couple months before I, I dump it all out and start over. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you may spend a bunch up front, but you're, it's going to last. Like mine lasts, I don't know, I probably go through, I have no idea, five gallons a year maybe, not a lot. Mm-hmm. Like not, not a significant wow. amount. Um, but yeah, well, probably, you know, because I also, I also soak my pallets in it to get all the paint off okay. the pallet. So mostly, mostly to be honest with you, the, the paint that's left over at the end of the day is really from the pallet. Uh, all right, well, we're going to take a real quick break and then we're going to come right back and jump into news and rumors. So we'll be right back after this. Need a model assembled or painted, but no money to spare. White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. All right, guys, we are back, and uh, we are going to jump right into news and rumors, which is the segment of the show where we talk about what's new, what's coming up. And um, so holiday season is coming up, obviously, and a lot of companies put out their holiday deals. Um, GW is certainly one of the ones that do all their bundles, and I've seen other companies doing their holiday deals. Brush for Hire has a deal out right now. Um, do you guys get on the holiday hol- holiday, holiday uh, shopping bandwagon? Are you guys Black Friday guys? Are you guys shoppers online for deals do you wait all all year to get your armies like or your or your miniatures what what do you guys do when it comes to shopping around holidays uh personally i mean i usually black friday is not something i go too crazy about people are too crazy on it already so i usually just try to you know take cover in the house i don't know if a lot of hobby stores <laughs> even do black friday deals so it's hardly like think a thing. so but apparently gw is doing their own like Black Friday, like an official oh, yeah. Black Friday for three days where stuff's going to be cheaper. So I'm kind of excited to see that, but at the same time, I'm not sure. I'm usually so stuffed from Turkey that I, I really don't have the energy to go out shopping. Plus, people died last year, so it's like... Yeah, you know. <laughs> people get violent. It's stupid. Yeah. What, about, what about you, Carlos? Do you shop a lot this time of year for minis? Um, typically, no. Um, I actually just bought the Betrayal at Calf, and oh, cool. it was, you know... I forget how much it was. So, I mean, if I start getting too crazy, you know, I'm going to get some of those looks from my wife. So, uh, (laughs) I think this year I'm going to have to rein it in a little bit. It is important to set a gaming budget. I totally understand. Um, So, uh, GW, one of the cooler things I think they released for their new bundles is their new paint pots. We've both been kind of on Mm -hmm. those. So, they're bigger now. They used to be... 
You know, I don't actually know how many milliliters were in those, but you work it's at the, GW, um, you should know this. Yeah, the GW, it's just the washes. Um, yeah. they're, they're all four ounces. The right. washes that have been upgraded to, I'm not sure for the new washes. They haven't been officially released, but it looks like double the amount. That's pretty big. But for only like $2 more, so I'm not sure... I think that's great wow. because a lot of the washes I go through really fast. Yeah. Like flesh shade, known oil. Mm-hmm. And they don't really go bad. No, not they, at all. They have a very long shelf life. Have you noticed, while we're talking about washes for a brief second, Army Painter puts out their own version of a wash called uh, Strong Tone and Soft Tone. But theirs has a really, they have it in a bottle where it's not, so kind of backtracking for a second, and we're going we're gonna to jump off this topic real quick. Every company has their own wash comp- competition. Mm-hmm. Army Painter has theirs, but theirs has a really bad smell to it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can think of is because I used to make my own washes, and when I don't use distilled water, the water kind of gets foul. And that's the only thing I can huh. think of is that the water they're using is not distilled. Because it, it, every time I pour the wash into my tray, I'm like, I gag a little. I'm like, oh my god. Huh. Uh, it's just one of those really <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, I have a, uh, I have an old bottle of um, Griffin sepia. Yeah. And it smells like like decomposing dinosaurs. I'm I'm pretty sure it's the distilled water thing, but it could huh. be. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that would that would go foul. Because effectively, the water is just stagnant water mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I mean, it's got a lot of stuff in it, pigment and shit. But, uh, I wonder if that affects you when you're like playing the game. And oh, your army smells like you know, shit. They never the smell bad once I varnish them. But the first time the wash goes on, it smells pretty bad. That'd be funny. Um, I've, I've wondered a lot of times if, like, because I have cats, if I ever have allergic clients, if they would like sneeze uh, yeah. when they pick up my minis. But I don't think that's the case. Uh, okay, so um, new stuff coming out. Um, first off, GW's got new stuff, like always. Um, mm-hmm. Archaeon is one of their big new ones coming out. That guy's looking a lot of fun. He looks awesome. He's kind of their version. I guess you would call him the fantasy version of kind of like uh, the bringer of the apocalypse. I don't Mm -hmm. really know. He's kind of like the fantasy version of Abaddon, I guess. I I suppose you might put him in that category. I think he's He's a little bit bigger, better than that. Yeah. And he's on a new big, it's a three-headed thing, but I don't know if it's technically a chimera. It's kind of like a, yeah. I don't they know, have each, a Chimera figure. Yeah. It's not like that, but it's No, it's definitely, that. like, each head represents a different god of oh, chaos, sense. except for Slanesh. Yeah, they're really shocked in Slanesh these days. Um, that's cool, though. I like the mm-hmm. idea of kind of a Chimera for corn, or for chaos. That's neat. Um, there's a lot of whispers about Zinch coming up, mm-hmm. a lot of rumors about um, uh, a big plastic demon, which I'm really excited about. And there are rumors about GW Specialist games coming back. Yeah, stuff yeah, like Necromunda. Pretty much seems like it's gold. confirmed. Yeah, it's not even like a rumor. So, did, did you ever play any of those? I I had the old school Battlefleet Gothic. Did you? Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, I never had a chance to play the other ones. So. What about you, Carlos? Were you a specialist gamer? I used to really like Necromunda. I can't even remember how you play it anymore. But I, I loved, loved Necromunda. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really liked Gorkamorka too, which was basically just like. Mad Max for orcs was what it boiled down to. <laughs> and it was a brilliant idea. You had little trucks and you had little dirt buggies and you just... Yeah, I actually have some of those. Do you really? Yeah. I mean, they're really useful for stuff like, you know, war buggies now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and I didn't drop... Uh, Carlos, you mentioned this to us, which I have to confess, I'm not I'm not up on the Kickstarter scene like I used to be. But Hawk War Games uh, Drop Fleet Commander is uh, has a Kickstarter up right now. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. So yeah, now this is a product that's already out, right? Uh, no, it's. I think it's it's in a Kickstarter phase. The other one that's out is the Drop Fleet Commander. Oh, uh, okay. Oh no, 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 you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. So yeah, this is my 
might be an add-on to that. They're adding larger ships, capital, yeah. you know, capital-sized ships and space stations. And do you, what do you think about that? Do you think the companies that are sort of established using Kickstarter as a way to sort of launch new pro product is a good idea, or do you think they're kind of taking advantage of that a little bit? Well, I think since these guys have kind of demonstrated they're able to deliver on their promises, I think it's a good idea to kind of gauge interest and also sort of get excitement going again because maybe people, they've already stowed their drop lead commander models, sure. and then they're like, hey, look, what's coming out? Oh, man, these things are awesome. So it kind of gets you excited again. That's cool. That's a good point. Um, Privateer Press just launched a new figure this week, which I completely forgot to mention in our in our notes, but it's called the Lightbringer, I think. It's like a giant gargantuan figure for, um, uh, not for Cricks, for Legion of Everblight. And it kind of looks like a giant, I don't know, like kind of a, it's kind of, I mean, it has all the, the typical stuff you've seen on Legion of Everblight. It's kind of like a giant insect slash monster, alien, alien thing. <laughs> But it's got these big formable, form, like big mandibles, not mandibles, what do they call those things? They're like claws. Things. Yeah, uh. it's like a really neat conglomeration of like lots of different ideas. Like I see some part alien in there, I see some part Ackley in there. Like it's just a fun looking model and it's mm. huge. Um, I actually love those big figures and I, I jump every time I get a chance to paint one of those because I just, the bigger they are, I feel like yeah. the more you can do with them. Um, speaking of big figures, um, what was the name of that company? Uh, Gale Force 9, um, which has the exclusive license, I think for... So they do exclusive figures for Wizards of the Coast, but they don't make plastic miniatures. They make resin miniatures and that sort of stuff. And they have a line of, of models for a while now they've been doing, and they've done a lot of big demons. And they call them, like, Demon Princes or something like that. Or there's some there's some name to the line. I forget what it is exactly. But um, they've done an Orcus in the past, which is a gargantuan figure, and they've done a Dracolich. Um, and they just released pictures, um, which I saw on Bell for a Demogorgon, which is kind of a two-headed monkey with tentacles for arms. Uh, and he's fantastic. And he's a, he's a long figure from uh, the D&D, um, you know, I guess, pantheon of gods. But what's fascinating to me is that even though this figure is great, and even though these figures are, are really cool, Orcus has been out. He's a mainstay in D&D culture. I know you're not much of a role mm-hmm. player, Philip, but he's a mainstay in D&D culture. He's as big as any dark god in any fantasy realm ever. And Gale Force 9 limited it to a run of 1,500 figures. And that was released in September, and they still have not sold out. Now, my question is, when a company like GW sells out of their Tal terrain in, like, an hour, <laughs> does that mean Privateer Press, not Privateer Press, uh, sorry, Gale Force 9, are they doing something wrong? Or is it just that D&D is waning? Or is it just that high figures like that that are kind of they're not even that expensive they're like 90 bucks they're cheaper than like anything GW's offering mm-hmm. in terms of something that scale they're cheaper than anything privateer press is offering in that scale but maybe just role players don't have the same demand for figures that that war gamers do you guys want to chime in on that yeah i mean i can't speak specifically but i would imagine it's definitely a smaller market yeah i guess because so. I didn't not everybody needs that specific model that's fair that specific scenario or whatever that they're trying to play yeah, in fact you can only play him if you get up to a ridiculous level you can yeah. only fight him when you're epic level which is over 20 well I mean do you so. guys actually use terrain and figures because a lot of I think a lot of D&D people I mean they wouldn't they don't even use those so. that's a good point like our with our game we use mats and tiles but we rarely use terrain but we do use miniatures um but it's rare that we would... I've only ever had the... I've only played an epic level game 
I don't know, twice in a decade. So it is rare. It's more of a collector's item, to be honest with you. So um, do you do you role play, Carlos? I don't know if I've even asked you this before. Uh, yeah, I did. But when I was a young person, I did um, a little bit. My favorite was always my half-elf ranger druid, <laughs> which I, I don't know. I think I got it to like level 7 and level 6, and I had a lot of fun, you know, when oh. I was. But that was second edition. I sure. think now it's a little different. Well, I wish we had more role-playing clients because I'd love to paint one of these up, but I don't want to justify me paying it out of pocket this time of year. So if you're out there and you're listening and you like Guild Force 9 stuff, email us at uh, info at whitemetalgames.com, and we'd love to discuss a quote with you. Um, We have a a special on our specials page where we talk about um, First to the Fray, and the idea is that if there's something I want to paint, I'll give you a discount. Usually it's 10%. So I can, you know, safely say that I'll knock 10% off Orcus or Demogorgon if someone wants to have it painted up. So just email me, and I'll be happy to talk with you about terms. Um, last thing before we move on to, to our next sponsor break, um, NIDs are definitely on the horizon for GW. There's a lot of rumors creeping up. And a lot of the talk is about a new Gargantuan, um, more multi-kits, that sort of stuff. Um, and I'm hoping if they do a Gargantuan, it, it's about the same size of, like, let's say... Uh, like a knight. Like, I really want to see a mid-knight, for sure. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, they seem to be releasing that level of a figure for every race. Right. So I, I, that's going to be really cool to see, actually, because all their monstrous creatures are already cool. I can't wait to see a gargantuan monstrous creature by them. Yeah, I mean, I like I, I like everything they put out for the nids, for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that this will be no exception. I don't, I don't think there's an army that, like, has more rabid of a fan base and then more disappointed of a fan base every time a new book comes out <laughs> That is fair. Yeah, that's true. There's there's always a big out, outpouring of mild disappointment. Uh, all right. With that, we're going to take a brief break. And when we get back, we'll jump into our main topic. And we'll be right back after this. Hey, guys. It's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to, like, at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. World Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're at, like, 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial. Like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information. And until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. All right, guys, we are back. And tonight we're going to talk about, uh, so it's Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I have completely forgot to ask you guys earlier, what do you guys do for Thanksgiving? Do you guys celebrate do you uh like we stay we are actually we well so we because we're married i'm married and i I think carlos you know you probably can empathize with this i have to split my holidays between my (laughs) in-laws i have to go to my wife's family for some of them my my and we go when we go to my parents for some of them so we're going to my wife's for thanksgiving this year she's up uh their family is up north just past ice's corner which is very close to where you live or your family lives rather um, and I love Thanksgiving, but I always, I always feel like when I leave for five days that when you, when you're working for yourself, everything kind of falls behind, everything kind of <laughs> falls apart. So I end up taking a bunch of stuff with me to paint and I only ever get to half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always kind of prep for that. What do you guys do for the holiday? Do you do anything fun? 
Uh, personally, I just I'm gonna be heading up as like uh, Caleb said, Tyson's Corners around the area I'm from, so I'll be up there. Uh, it's probably gonna be as quieter Thanksgiving. Most of my family's doesn't live around uh, Virginia anymore, so probably just met my brother and my mom and uh, my dad, but pretty quiet. I will be bringing the commission up for the yeah. Brotherhood of Multiple. See, it's hard to put it down, man. <laughs> you never really can turn it off. It's gonna be so much time too. It's when you're not living there anymore. There's not as much stuff to yeah. do, so. Bring something to work I find on. traveling with my minis is a real pain. It takes me mm-hmm. like an hour to pack them up because they have to all be individually packaged so I don't break them. Mm. Carlos, what do you do for the holiday? Or if you celebrate um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a pretty non-religious family. holiday. It's hard not to, it's hard not to celebrate no. it. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's un-American, quite frankly, right. to celebrate Thanksgiving. <laughs> Starbucks but, is not in jeopardy of losing people <laughs> for Thanksgiving. Yeah. We, uh, we just do your, your normal, um, you know, bird sides but it's all like it's so much fun to watch um i've got a little baby and it's hilarious to watch her kind of encounter these new events she's like why is everybody so excited so <laughs> it's a lot of fun is this her first thanksgiving this will be her second nice very cool um all right, so let's move right into tips on technique and um speaking of thanksgiving we're going to talk about tanks and um uh, so personally i love tanks like i love painting them Firstly, they're a big palette to work on, so mm-hmm. you have a lot of room to try different stuff. Secondly, I hate painting small details, like on figures. So even though our bread and butter is definitely, like, infantry, like, tanks for me are just kind of a treat. Like, I just, I really enjoy them. <laughs> I think we're going to have to address it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos, what is that sound? <laughs> Oh, sorry. I it's okay. Saying, I've been trying to ignore it the last two or three times, but now I think we definitely have to make fun of it. Like, for okay. sure. Uh, yeah, is no, that you blowing no. your nose? <laughs> what is no, going that was, on? Um, that was my e-cigarette. I thought you guys wouldn't be able to Oh, that we can it. surely see it. I hear uh, you. Busted. Busted. Sorry. <laughs> I no, 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 no. I don't give a shit. It's fine. Uh, I just think it's funny. I was like, is he dying? What is <laughs> I mean, this will be a short show. <laughs> like, you know, I've never tried these cigarettes. What do you think of them? Do you like them? Um, it's kind of like, uh, it takes the edge off. I don't know. I haven't right. smoked in a long time. But yeah. um, the other day I was reaching for a cigar and I was like, I'll try that. And I don't know. It's, it's you know, it's. I, hey, I'm, I am a. No judgments for me. I am a smoker, like, tested and yeah. true. Like, Philip usually rolls up, and I'm usually outside smoking. Because mm-hmm. at that point in the day, I'm usually so stressed out <laughs> that I'm just like, fuck it, I'm going to have a fucking, I'm just going to smoke real quick. Um, but anyway, okay, now that we've solved that mystery, moving right along. Uh, so, again, with tanks, I just really like trying different stuff out. So, what we kind of thought we would do is we would talk about some of the different techniques we see on tanks, uh, and then kind of just move down the list and sort of talk about Things we've tried, things we do. Um, do you guys? What is your guys' experience? Do you like painting tanks? Do you hate painting vehicles? I find that once you get an airbrush and once you get good at it, mm-hmm. tanks are a breeze. Oh yeah, they're just they're a piece of cake. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy um, for the most part. I don't paint a ton of tanks, but I have worked on Imperial Knights. I've been working on the uh, the Tau Storm Surge thing. Sure. So. Um, so there's yeah, more vehicles for sure. I yeah, mean, you know, but but vehicles definitely too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that like so with like Imperial Guard? You know, obviously we talk about 40k and Warhammer a lot on this show. I've always loved the idea of a tank army. I've never had the opportunity to play one, but I think that in terms of like painting, man, talk about a fast job. Yeah. Like, that's a weekend's work right there, baby. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> just bang that out real quick. You know, yeah, especially well with an airbrush, easily done yeah, too. For so, sure. but like. 
I, I think with tanks, really, the, the thing that sells them is all the details. Like, you can you can easily lay on color, but when it really boils down to it, it's, it's the details that really make a tank. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about weathering first off, because that's probably the most common technique I see on tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys normally do when you weather something? Like, how do you, how, what is your typical weathering technique? Weathering is, like, that's kind of a broad category. It is wicked so broad, yeah. Um, so, for example, like, a lot of people will take, like, metallic paint, and I see this a lot, and they'll just dry brush metallic on the edges of stuff. And that, that right. pretty much works. It's a nice, cheap, simple, easy technique. Right. Um, usually what I do is it, it'll start with the base coat. And as I was talking about earlier, you kind of make sure that you have a nice light color to begin with. And then you can go into a lot of different things. Before you even start your base coat, if you're going to do chipping, that's probably something that you want to begin with. Sure. Um, that's going to be integrated into your base color. So, yeah, I could go on and on, but um, how about you, Phil? Well, I mean, for weathering, so a couple different ways that, I mean, I love uh, using, like, the elements that it's in. So if it's in, like, a dirty area, using a pigment to weather down and make it look like it's been going through the mud or something. Right. Um, So I find pigments work fantastic for that, just to straight up. And we're talking about grinding down Mm -hmm. the pure pigments, or Mm -hmm. we're using, like, a weathering powder, which is the same thing. Yeah. so, and again, talking about pigments, like when you're doing that, it works just like anything else. You can apply it, but there's no binder. So in order for it to stay permanent, you have to apply a definitely, varnish. Definitely. So once you've done that, don't think your work is done. You have to put down a varnish before it's going to stick. Um, so talking a little bit more about weathering, we talked, uh, we're going to mention chipping here, and we're going to talk a lot more about this later, but hairspray chipping is kind of one of those things that has been like a long-held technique. And I think mm-hmm. that... Carlos was starting to sort of dance around this earlier. And the general idea is that you layer levels, your lower levels of, think of it like, um, think of it like a transparency sheet. If you look at like an old animatic, like a cartoon, you get your transparency sheet. So your bottom level of paint is like a rusty sort of color or really any color. It could mm-hmm. be metal. And then you basically apply some sort of, some sort of masking Right. To basically block it off, a lot of people use salt for that. They use, I've heard rock salt's kind of the best way to do it because it's big and it's blocky. And they'll stick it on, and people found that over the years, hairspray was a really good way to do this. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is that hairspray is a waddle, water, waddle, it's a water based solvent. So you can use the hairspray, spray it on the tank after you've put down your base layer, like a rusty layer or whatever. Any layer you want, you could make it metal. Uh, you apply your, your hairspray, apply your salt, let that dry for a few, and then you kick on your higher layer, and then basically later on you, you knock off the salt. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't dip it in salt. It's not like a fucking pretzel. It's like you don't put it on every <laughs> inch of the model. The way this works best is when it's patchy. Like, mm-hmm. so some areas come through, some areas don't. Is that, yeah. kind of, is that kind of what you were talking about earlier, Carlos? Completely. Like when you start thinking about your environment, 
you know, how does the environment affect the metal? How does it oxidize? How does this mm. happen? How does that happen? What's the, what kind of metal is it? Will it rust? Will it patina? Will it do this? Will it do that? Um, they actually make a lot of different mediums now um, for that sort of effect. Like, they make a streaking medium, don't they? What's it mm-hmm. called from A, a and... Uh, well, there's actually an actual... It's company. called stripping, or a, a chipping, a chipping, yeah, chipping fluid. fluid. Chipping Heavy fluid. chipping fluid is what it is. I couldn't mm-hmm. think of the name of the company is what I was trying I to I think AK makes AK, that. mm-hmm. that's right. AK makes it, Ammo makes it, Vallejo makes it. Now, is there any yeah. advantage to a chipping fluid versus, let's say, hairspray? Like... Does it, it, yeah. it kind of solves the same? Is, 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 is it basically the same thing? We did, yeah. I mean, we, we covered a little bit of this in actually a past, past right. podcast. Um, the stuff I used was it was heavy chipping fluid. Right. It's water-based. Right. Um, and you just apply a little bit of water and maybe like a rougher brush, one that you're not oh, that's worried right. about ruining, and right. you can just kind of scrape it off almost. So it's kind of, it's kind of not, it's, it's actually kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, really it's not a mask. It's more of a, mm-hmm. yeah, it's more of a, well, it does like form a mask right. essentially. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, what about um, sponging? I've seen a lot of people use sponging mm-hmm. techniques, and this is basically where they'll take some sort of gauzy thing. A lot of people use the packaging inserts in, like, the foam in a blister, and they'll take it, they'll dip it in a little metal paint, like let's say a dark metal, dark iron, or whatever, and they'll dab most of it off, and then dab some of it onto the model. Which I actually really like. I like that effect yeah. a lot. Goat Boy does that a lot, and he swears by it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys ever ever do that, or do you sort of more just do you not trust that irregularness of it? You know, for me, the irregularness kind of sells it. That's kind of my my two cents. Definitely, I think that with anything, you know, if you go easy on the throttle, you can always add more chips, but it's really hard to take them away. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Fair enough. Um, all right, well, moving right along. What about battle damage uh, for tanks mm-hmm. a lot? And I don't see this as much as I would like to, um, but I think that with weathering, you think about a tank on the table. Man, those guys take a lot of fire. They take flak. Yeah. They take shots. Like, you know, monsters come up to it and try to knock it around. So, you know, I definitely love it when I see some good battle damage on there. Do you guys do anything fun for that? Like, do you gouge your model? Do you drill <laughs> holes in it? Do you, like... One of the cooler techniques I ever saw, and no one ever does this, but what, what it was a GW, in one of their books, they had a book called How to Paint Tanks, which is actually a great book. You can pick it up on eBay for probably 10 bucks these days. And it had this picture of it, of tanks, and it was like showing all the different types of damage. And they had one that was called like melted damage. And the, basically what the guy had done is he had like drilled out a couple big holes, and he had made... He had used uh, paints to make it look like the metal was superheated right there, kind of the same way we do it for, like, jet engines or mm-hmm. gun barrels that are overheated. And so it looks like the metal had kind of slagged and melted, but specifically in a concentric circle that would be about the size of a melt barrel And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like, it looks like, you know, you think about what would hunt a tank down a melt-a-gun would, or some sort of, like, vaporizing weapon like that. Yeah. So it really looked good. You could do the same thing with plasma. You could do, like, a glowing plasma effect. Can, um, you, can you see, like, the projectile of a melt-a-gun? Has anybody had this argument? I mean, has science really tried to discover this? I don't know. I, I, I think that the argument would be in games of 40K you can, because in every video game they release, I'm shooting big bolts of plasma. Um, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I wasn't trying to shoot it down. No, 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 I feel what, you. What I mean, the way they normally no, the way they normally characterize it in, in like a video game, at least in the ones I've seen, it's like an unstable ball of 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 plasma is really the only way to describe it. It's like it's like a semi gelatinous liquid 
element, I, I guess, is the best. I, like, I think about, like, throwing, like, pudding, maybe, I guess would be mm. the, kind of the best way to phrase it. Color-wise, I mean, I would imagine plasma, you have plasma guns, so those right. obviously are blue glowing. Right. Um, I've always been, like, a ball of energy. Melta, right. I've always kind That's of... That's a better way to describe it. I don't know why I didn't think of ball of energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Melta, I would think more like, maybe almost like a volcanic kind yeah, of like it, reddish molten and most lava. i mean the argument for melta is that it's basically like vaporized microwaves so whenever i envision melta i don't envision actually oh, s- vaporized microwaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so whenever i envision melta i don't actually envision seeing it i envision seeing like a heat signature um like you know like when you like have like a, a fire lit and you see the heat rising off mm-hmm. i always kind oh, of like imagine a really hot day. yeah so I imagine I always imagine it fires that, and then whatever it hits is basically melted or vaporized, kind of. Hmm. Um, but but regardless of which, on the tank, the damage is the metal gets superheated to a ridiculous degree, and so it melts. So you have the the effect is slag. You have you have a hole on the side of the tank, and you have melt you have melted metal, which is awesome if you're going to sit there and pull it off. But it takes time. It's not a yeah. it's not a quick thing to do. I think part of the reason you don't see it that much is, I mean, you're literally damaging the you're, model you're you just a, spent you're like $100 on. <laughs> and if you screw it up, that's true. good luck fixing yeah, it. That's so, true. I guess you have to sort of commit to the technique at that point. Definitely. Yeah, it takes, it takes some big brass balls if you're going to do that to the <laughs> model you just dropped 150 bucks on, you know. All right, what about camo techniques? Camo is a long lauded effect for tanks people have been doing it since tanks existed it has a very real world application you have to hide those big fucking behemoths um i i, I we linked to a couple of videos for it below do you guys camo your tanks up or or if you do have you had any luck with different so like i've tried it two different ways i've tried masking techniques and i've tried just painting it on and then cleaning it up later and I kind of like both for different reasons. It really just depends on the tank. Um, yeah. Like for towel tanks, when they have their octagonal mm-hmm. camo, I absolutely use masks. Because oh, yeah. painting those lines would be a, a nightmare. Um, and the short amount of time it's going to take me to do the masks is well worth it. Mm-hmm. But on a big tank like a GW tank, where I can go more regular, I don't bother with masks. Like, F that, I just paint it on. Or I airbrush it on and then I clean it up later or, or whatever. Um, what do you guys do? Well, I I saw in, I think, the modeling master classes from Forge World, which are some of the coolest books. They don't necessarily delve too deep into technique, but you can see they use a lot of, of the fundamental techniques of the weathering process. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw them use masking tape and also maybe blue tack, and those are both great mm-hmm. um, masking tools. Do you like, because I have not had the experience with the master class books, but I had, a, I had a negative experience one time where I tried to do... Um, so I was doing a heat effect on a gun barrel, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I did it, and then someone... I, I wrote up a blog post about it, and someone read the blog post, and they said something to the, along the lines of, um, this is crap, do it like they do in the Masterclass book. And my wow. immediate response was like, fuck yourself. <laughs> like I don't fucking have $80 to buy that book. I don't know how they did it. Later, someone told me that, like, oh, they use pigments. And I was like, well, fucking who gives a shit? I was like, it doesn't. But my question to you is, do you, having read those books firsthand, do you like them? Are they worth it? Like, are they good? Are they a good? Are they a good investment in your mind? Um, well, if you put it like that, I'd say no. There are more easily available resources now, and I can recommend a few. But for some 
somebody who was just kind of starting their journey sure. down the weathering path when I first saw them. They're, they're great. I would say they're great historical documents. There's also incredible inspiration in there if you yeah, want to look in there. That's fair. Um, do they have, like, because it's a pretty beefy book. I mean, so it can't be technique the whole book. It has to have, like, does it have fluffy pieces, like stories and stuff in it? It does have a little bit, but it's mostly, it is very nuts and bolts. And actually, the people, one of the people who is um, most involved with that is the, he's actually the great-grandpappy of the hairspray technique. His name is Phil Stusinkis, or Phil Stuchinkis, and he's actually the one who kind of um, developed the hairspray weathering technique, and that's, those are his tanks and those books. Nice. Very cool. One of the things I always really like about Forge World stuff is I really like how all of their stuff looks really dirty and gritty and just, and it's like, man, you know, considering they're both painting up GW models, heavy metal, and the Forge World team, they could not look more different. They do. Very different Uh, styles, yeah. And and I absolutely, I kind of prefer the Forge World style, for Mm -hmm. sure, because one thing, I think it's easier. Um, But another thing is just, I think, I think it's more realistic. Like, you don't see them do a lot of... Like, I was... I'm painting a Storm Raven right now, and I jumped on their website to look up something. It might have been the Storm Eagle. It might have been something else. But regardless of which, I was blown away because I was looking at their, their, their flyer, and I was like, there was, like, no lining on this vehicle. There's no edge highlighting, which I love because I hate fucking edge <laughs> highlighting. But my thought process was, man, like, this is the first time I've seen a GW model on a GW-ish site that's not lined. Super clean. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, man, like, way to go, guys. That's really... And it looks it looks great. I like it a lot. I'm a big fan. Well, I think you're really on to something there, Caleb, because that's one of my things about weathering is that the techniques involved at their core are incredibly basic, but it's really the planning and the application. And sort of, you got to be very patient if you're a weatherer. And, and it's the buildup of all those effects that really start to bring them all to life. But none of them individually are I agree. Yeah, most of these techniques, and that's worth saying, are they're not they're not wicked hard. Mm-hmm. It's not like learning to paint flesh tones or like learning how to blend. It's like it's more of a technical technique. It's just having a, an eye for right. detail and where exactly. where things yeah. will be placed. So. And a few details will really sell these models. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, sort of like heat and metal effects. Um, so a lot of these tanks usually have like a big barrel of some sort. It's kind of a hallmark of a tank. And depending on the tank, I I either go really sooty and gritty with the barrel, like they've been shooting off some sort of gunpowder-based equivalent for weeks or whatever, and it's just, it's it's literally all over the tank, which I love. Or I go the other way and I, I heat up the barrel really hot. And one of the mistakes that I used to make when I did this is I would work in a lot of different colors. I would work in some red, I'd work in some some purple... And, like, I'd work on all these different heated colors because my thought process was when heat, when metal gets hot, it turns all sorts of crazy mm-hmm. colors. The gradient. Right. But most people would, would generally agree that, like, your bigger colors that you want to sort of work in are probably, like, blues and, like, a warm metal color, like a copper or a goldish color or a scorched metal. In fact, Reaper makes a color called scorched metal, and I never really thought about why they called it that until, like, oh, yeah, like, this is a perfect color for a hot barrel because... The metal is just beginning to turn colors. Mm-hmm. So it's like a deep brown, almost burnt umber color. Um, but I do most of my heated metal effects with an airbrush, and occasionally I'll use some pigments. Um, do you guys ever do, like, heated metal on your tanks, or do you just sort of go with the old tried-and-true, 
you know, they're shooting fire, there should be soot approach. Like, how do you guys normally do it? Or do you fuck it and say, don't do anything at all? I haven't spent a lot. I I have the intention to do that. Sure. And, like, I have the Imperial Knights and stuff I've been working on so slow. Right. Um, and the weapons are set up that way, but sure. I haven't actually done it. Yeah. I would imagine, though, that I would want to approach it with, I guess I was thinking the same way you were, like do some purples, uh, start with yeah. something like that, and then like build it up to like an orange. It doesn't take much. But... A little bit of color. And what I find is if I ever overdo it, I'll splash in a little bit of the other color. Like I'll, if I go too purple, I'll put in some more blue. If I go too red, I'll put in some more scorched metal. So you hide it under these gradients of layers, and then it looks more organic, which I really am a big fan of. Um, but you know, as a as a as a cheap technique, if you are in a hurry, because obviously when we're painting batch models, we don't have a lot of time for our own stuff. Um, just using some weathering powder and making it black, it works great mm-hmm. on any sort of engine assembly, anything that was billowing smoke. Throw some black pigment on there, varnish it, call it a day. Like it's an easy, quick technique. Um, well, Caleb, have you tried using? Have you used your airbrush and just? Use some matte black thin down. Have you tried that? I have, um, but the reason I prefer the pigment to to airbrushing soot is the same thing that you kind of mentioned earlier. Is that with the airbrush, if I go too thick, it's hard to work backwards. But uh-huh. if I use the pigments, I can always add more. You can always erase it, too, okay. really yeah, easily. that's very true, too. And while I don't think that it would be a problem, because I'm, I'm pretty experienced with an airbrush now, I also just prefer the dry look of the pigment versus the slightly wet look of the airbrush. Because that... More in control? Right, yeah. Well, that, but also just that when the paint adheres to the model, a lot of times it looks like splashed on black paint, whereas, uh-huh. like, the, the pigment has a dry quality mm-hmm. to it. So it looks dusty. Um, so it's not exactly the same. Like they don't, you can sort of tell what they did where. And I just aesthetically prefer the, the pigment, personally. Um, okay. But that's just me personally. Like other people may disagree. Um, right. So, but I would definitely say that control is part of it. Um, you know. So, all right. Well, let's move on to um, last part of our tips on technique for tonight. We'll move on to decals. Because I feel like decals are kind of. Um, I wouldn't say a cheating thing on a tank, but, like, I recently did a towel tank, and I was pretty bored by the tank by the time I was done. Mm-hmm. But I threw on some decals, and, man, did that just zing the thing up. <laughs> like, and it didn't take a lot of work. Um, but I do find that with decals, if you don't do a good job, they can cloud, they can they can break. Clouding is the worst, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, and clouding is when you put on the decal... And what's happened is water or, or moisture or something has got stuck under there, and it hasn't dried appropriately. Um, and so because of that, when the decal does dry, it dries cloudy. And so you get like kind of like a back layer of like, I don't know. Have you ever had that happen, Philip? No, I actually haven't. And I have issues with clouding with other things, but I haven't experienced it with decals. The, the one way I've sort of figured out to get around it is to use mediums. Um, like a Reaper or Vallejo makes, they call a decal medium. And I use that instead of water for my adherence. So I soak it in water, mm-hmm. the decal. I pull it out of the water. And then I put a little of the decal medium on the place. Let's say I'm going to put it on a plank or on a plate on the tank. So then I use that almost like, um, almost like it's kind of like a binding agent for the decal. It also mm-hmm. helps it to stay on. And then after that dries, you use a, what they call a fixer, which is like a, 
um, a, a final touch, like almost like a, a glossy medium to go on top. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, I may have those backwards because I always get decal medium and decal fixer wrong. So look them up if you're going to buy them. Like buy both because one is for adhering and one is for finishing. And I have to look it up every fucking time I do a decal because I can never remember what which one is which. Um, what do you guys do for decals, or do you apply decals to your vehicles? I definitely do. I usually actually follow the GW technique, which is they varnish the area first, gives it nice and shiny, like the decal itself. Oh, that's nice. Um, that's and then idea. you dip it in water and then just place it on with the water. Leave it wet and moist yeah. um, so you have time to fix the decal in the position you want. Sure. Um, dry with a piece of cloth or like a paper towel. Um, do you use a gloss varnish or do you use a matte varnish? Uh, they recommend a gloss, and I'd say the same because the decal itself is already a little glossy. It is a little glossy. So if you go over, if you put the gloss down first, and then once the decal is positioned, you go over with like a matte, uh, like a what they call Lamian medium or some sort of matte medium, essentially. Sure. And that gives it that flat look and yeah. kind of helps blend it into the model. Um, so I start think it, with the gloss and then use the matte as a finishing medium. Exactly. That sounds good. What about um, what about you, Carlos? Do you apply decals? Uh, yes, yes I do, and I actually, I've never tried that Salva set that uh, Philip was talking about, or yeah. I went to, and I'd really like to because I'm a bit of an alchemist, and <laughs> I, I like to have a ton of potions and bottles and whatnot, but anyhow, what I use is today, I put on a couple decals, and I just did a satin varnish underneath, and then I used my Microsoul, Microset, and uh, it actually takes a really long time to smooth out all the wrinkles. And I think it might be just about the same amount of time as it would take to do a free game, to be honest. Nice. Very cool. Um, well, um, it, it was one of those things that I love decals, but they could, for me, I'm always a little nervous before I apply them. But I will say this. If, you, if your decal goes on and does get cloudy, pull it off. Here's a nice idea. Just take it off. Like, it's not going to rip up the paint if you've done your job appropriately. If you've laid your paint layers down well, then it should be as simple as just take a Q-tip, dip it in some water, and just rub it until it gets loose. Um, you're not using super glue to bind these things to the model. The solvents or the, the, the acrylics that you use are, are pretty loose or flimsy. Um, maybe with the exception of some of the varnish methods where mm-hmm. that stuff gets pretty tacky. Um, but just experiment with it. If you're, if you're ever unclear about it, like, do a test decal on something. Um, so just give it a try before you like take a decal they're cheap everyone's got a billion of them mm-hmm. like if you buy a new solvent medium or a new decal medium give it a test on something that you're not interested in so just just to see how it works um uh well there's lots of other stuff i, I think i'd love to talk about in tanks we didn't even, we didn't even get to talk about gritty tread effects um but the one thing i will mention before we move on completely from this segment is that um there's, uh, there are companies out there that make lots of great mediums. And, in fact, one of the companies that I really like these days um, is, uh, oh, shit, Michaels puts out their stuff. I can't think of their name right now. Um, Put out a lot of AK stuff. Well, no, it's not actually, so it's not actually a miniature line. stuff. It's not, it's not for miniature products. It's for paint products. Uh-huh. They'll put out, like, um, like I, I use this coarse texture sand gel from they, they make. And they make, Liquitex. like, yes, Liquitex. Thank mm-hmm. you. So Liquitex is one of these, they're an art company, first off. They're not a miniature company, they're an art company. But they put out all of this different stuff, and they, and they call it like, like they, they call it like volcanic rock, or they'll call it like sand, or whatever. And basically what it is, is it's a very thick medium that you can kind of paint onto bases, or paint onto 
to, to different things to, to get these kind of different effects. And so you can almost think of it like a paste that is layered up with, like the sand gel, for example, is basically just a paste that's got a bunch of sand layered into it. And before you ask, yes, you can make your own with your own textured gels and that sort of stuff. But what you're paying for is the consistency. This stuff has a really nice consistency. Yeah. And it's clean and it stays in the jar really well. So I always buy it because I think it's a, it's a really good investment. Uh, but they make this stuff that you can basically just paint onto the edges of your tracks. And you can even get it in colors. So you can take that stuff and you can get it in the right color and you can paint it on. And then it just looks like dried dirt or mud. And you really don't even have to do anything. Um, if you wanted to, you could dry brush it a little bit for texture. But um, again, just kind of talking about environments, like think about where your tanks are. If it's a snow tank, you know, like a, a space wolf tank, put some icicles hanging off like the edge of a barrel or something. Like maybe they've been waiting for a couple days for like the enemy to come out. Put snow yeah. on top. Like I've, I've put snow on top of the tanks before. I've flocked the top of them like... Uh, like snow has been resting on top of the tank for a couple. Or you can put the guy coming out of the cupola on top. You could have him holding like a bug of tea or hot chocolate. There you go. <laughs> now you're thinking outside the box. There you go. Well, with that, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to do our tutorial of the week and product review, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Are you a tabletop quality painter in the Raleigh area with ten hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commission painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. Alright guys, welcome back. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that pointless break. And uh, we're going to talk about our tutorial of the week. And the last couple weeks, or the last couple shows, I have to be honest with you, we've kind of overloaded you with these because there's so many cool tutorials out there. We get really excited about them. Um, so what we're really going to do is we're going to provide you with a couple different links, links, where the heck is that? Links to a couple of these different tutorials. And we're just going to mention them very, very briefly. Um, By Painted, who is one of my um, artists I admire from our last podcast, has a towel tank. Uh, camo pattern tutorial which is great and he shows you basically how he cuts up masking film to apply to a towel tank and it really really makes it pop and I've used that in the past for some of my stuff um, there's a hairspray weathering technique by Otaku Revolution and this was one that you suggested to us Carlos isn't that right? Yes um, and this is just a really really solid basic technique video is there anything about it you'd like to mention? Yeah it's just a very entry level kind of tutorial and yeah. I mean, the guy just kind of covers all the basics. He tells you how to prepare the model, how to apply the hairspray, and then how to chip it. And so, if you're, you know, if you're looking for like a really convincing, very textured effect when it comes to your chipping, I mean, it's hard to beat a really well done hairspray chipping job. Yeah, and the thing is, is that I don't do the hairspray chipping technique enough to feel like I know it backwards and forwards. So every time I do it, I review it. Like I look over a couple blog articles just to see if there's anything out there that maybe I'm not thinking about or if there's any new techniques that I should look up. So even if it's even if you do know how to do it, it's always good for a review. Yeah, um, the answer to your prayers is right. the product review. <laughs> exactly. Um, there was a Cadian camo technique by Warhammer TV, which was a surprisingly great tutorial. I really liked mm -hmm. the way that they did that, and they showed you how they applied it very quickly, very easily, and they cleaned it up really well. 
Uh, and then they also had a battle damage and weathering effect technique, which is also just plays right into what we're talking about. And then um, for our last tutorial, the technique this week, um, there was an oil paint rendering by Michael Rinaldi, which was also put forth by Carlos, I believe. Carlos, do you want to explain this one a little bit? Yeah, this technique is you, it's like a variation of maybe, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the old oil dot weathering method, but basically you just take a tiny dab of oil, give it a chance to dry, and then you sort of blend it into the surface and it'll create this tonal variation. Well, oil, oil paint, not simulates like reality. Yeah, oil paint, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So I just don't want one of our callers being like, dude, I sprayed WD-40 on my monitor. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like, oil looks paint. Like you shit. want to take an oil paint, and yeah. there's, it's yeah. actually, you know, if you read the article, it's a little more involved, but sure. what, it'll, what it'll do for you is it'll kind of recreate that sort of, I mean, and you have a large panel on tanks. That's one of right. the things. It breaks up that huge surface, and it's really, yeah. really good technique for that. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree. I think that's actually a great way to characterize it, is you're breaking up a really flat surface. Because a lot of vehicles, and I found this with the Storm Ravens as I was painting those up last week, is that, man, they get boring fast. Because mm -hmm. it's, just a bunch of flat, it's just a bunch of flat panels. Um, so decals or, like you said, effects like that. Um, and I love the streakiness of this 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 tutorial. Like it just looks really natural. Like this guy Definitely. is. It's a high level tutorial. I would yeah, say. it's not simple. Yeah. This is not your typical weathering. I mean, right. it takes a lot of time and patience for this. And one. to be honest with you, as a casual observer, I was kind of hoping for something more dramatic. But this mm -hmm. is this is a guy who takes care and really takes his time with his stuff. And that was pretty oh, subtle. He's yeah. like he's incredibly meticulous, and yeah. that's the thing about a lot of the more I'd say scale model variety weathering techniques is that it's it's a very very slow, patient buildup of layers. I also think that historic gamers, people who like historic models, generally tend to be more meticulous. They're not playing for the game of the week. They're they're painting a model that's literally been you know it was a real tank in real life fifty sixty years ago. And now they're recreating it because they enjoy it. They're not doing it because they're going to be playing a game this week or they have a GT coming up. Like, these guys are doing this because they love the process. And this tutorial, it shows. Like, this guy took a mm -hmm. lot of time to basically just make a couple streaks of paint, whereas if, like, someone like Kenny Boucher was doing a tutorial on this, it would be like, and you streak with the airbrush, and you streak with the airbrush, and you're done. Yeah. And you're like, that would be, that would be it. <laughs> you know, which there's a place, there's a place for that. But uh, totally different technique. Uh, what did you guys think about? Do you have any comments about the other tutorials before we move on? Because I know we kind of blew past them uh, because there's a lot. But is there anything about any of those you guys reviewed that you found? <laughs> is that you banging, Carlos? No, that's not me. That's, that's not my me. house, apparently. Huh. Is oh, that okay. my cat trying to? Oh, look at our door. Uh, oh. So, for those of you who are listening, um, I have two cats, and they are constantly trying to get into the room with the podcast. Would you open? Oh, the they want their daddy. I don't know what is going on. Oh, but with they're going to jump on the table. No, they're not. It's okay. We're gonna we're gonna have some. We're gonna have two special guests tonight. Oh, here he I is. I think the uh, Duncan camo tutorial is awesome. Yeah, you I like mean, that one? He, he got a really good he got a really good camo line, and he just kind of dabbed it on there to begin with. I think that's, that's a very, very cool technique that I haven't seen before. 
Yeah, I had never really paid that close. Philip was absolutely right. The felony immediately jumped on the table. But he's being cute, so we're going to let it stay. Um, yeah, that technique, I was really surprised. When he started that video, I, I didn't believe it was going to look as good as it does mm-hmm. at the end. But he just cleaned it right up. Yeah, it looks organic. It's, yeah. It is pretty clean. And pretty good. Um, and then I think that he goes on to sort of dry brush the model up and apply some weathering and, and call it a day. Um, so, yeah, I was a big fan of that. And now felony is off the table. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but I was a big fan of that one. Warhammer TV is kind of hit or miss for me. Sometimes I watch their videos and I disagree, but this was one of those rare instances where I completely yeah. agreed with it. So I was a big fan. If I painted, his tutorials are always solid. That guy has yeah. great tutorials. I've seen that Tao Camo before, and it's a little like you were saying. It's a little bit nuts and bolts for me. Yeah. Like I don't know if I'd be able to do that sort of, um, you know, very fine kind of applied multi-layered detail like that guy does but if you have the know-how and the ability it it's probably one of the better techniques i've ever seen for that the one thing i will say about that technique which does not come up in the video because you can't feel it is that by the time you're done with that the way he did it is he's layering on four different colors and even though you apply your paints fairly thinly by the time you get done, the final layer is four layers deep, whereas the bottom layer is one layer deep. And what I mean to say here is that there is a textural difference to the model. Like if you were to run your hand over the surface of the model, you can feel raised areas of paint where those masks were removed in the early stages and paint has built up there a little bit. Um, so you have to varnish it to get it smooth again, but it never gets crystal smooth. It never gets as smooth as, let's say, you know, a model that's only had one layer of paint or two layers of paint applied. Yeah. So it has a little bit of a weird texture to it, but that being said, it is a really good-looking model. Have, one you, thing, have you done that before, Caleb? Yeah, I did a... Um, so I did a Tau Army about two years ago for a friend of mine, which we sold... He had me sell on eBay through my consignment service like a, six months ago, because armies are always coming in, coming out. And he wanted a very traditional Tau Sept. Um, so the nice thing about Tau Sept is that, just like the Buy Painted video, it, it's a very traditional looking Tau army. So I used that video to do all the tanks. I did like a couple sky hammers and I think maybe a hammerhead. And uh, I did them all the same way and they all look good, but you can feel the texture for sure. But um, okay. Yeah, for me he's great because he's funny to listen to. I always laugh when I when I listen to him, <laughs> and he, he really makes it look easy, even though I know from experience that it's not as easy as he makes it look. Yeah, um, one thing to note though, like that kind of tutorial, he uses an airbrush. You have to use an airbrush. Yeah, you cannot mask it off and just paint over it. I agree. Otherwise, you risk. I, I've tried it before. I've ended up painting, uh, getting paint under the tape, sure. and it completely defeats the purpose of it. So, it is an airbrush. Really, only. And, it, you know, it's like anything else. Like, the tighter you lay on that masking film, the tighter your your areas are going to look. Mm-hmm. And be sure to give them time to dry. If you pull them off too quickly, you can you can have problems for the model. Um, yeah. And another point I might say is that if you varnish a little bit, it, it will kind of help with to remove chipping. But All right. Well, um, we're going to move on to product review, and we're not even, we're not even going to do a segment break. We're just going to move right on into it. Um, so, uh, Carlos... You suggested uh, Trace Semang Ultra Fist, Ultra Fist, <laughs> Ultra Fine <laughs> Mist Hairspray as your hairspray of choice for, for chipping. Is there a reason you recommend that one versus, let's say, I don't know, Pantene Pro-V or something? Well, um, not only does it 
doesn't hold extra long, but it's really good for putting on your models. Now, I know we talked about the AK products, and I do have the AK products. I have a Vallejo product. I've tried at least three or four, maybe even five brands of hairspray. And when I got Michael Rinaldi's book, his tank art book, and I, my wife actually, that's the brand she uses, luckily enough. So I, I was like, hey, um, I need to borrow your hairspray. And I don't really have a lot of hair, so she was kind of, she raised an eyebrow. And the best thing I could say about this is that it works flawlessly every time. So when you're, you're looking for a product, I mean, it's not the cheapest hairspray in the world, but it'll get you probably at least, I don't know, 10, 12, 15. I mean, however many takes you have at a time. Is it a um, is it a spritz based hairspray or is it an aerosol based? That one is an aerosol. I don't know if they offer it in a spritz form. I, I suppose we should make a recommendation that if you're going to do this many tanks or if you're going to do anything more than let's say one tank, you should probably do them outdoors when you apply the hairspray mm -hmm. because of, of you know aerosol based products. Philip made a joke to me a little while ago about how painting is a dangerous profession because of all of the toxic fumes <laughs> we're, we're often breathing yeah. in. And yeah. I think hairspray is definitely one of them. Um, although, yeah, I mean, if you need health advice, probably you can go to WebMD. Yeah. But anyhow, um, <laughs> the, the hairspray, uh, this one works every time very convincingly. Sure. And if you follow the, the method, which is you put down maybe a varnish, and then two, all you do is you just do two quick layers. You just kind of move it by in either direction. You move your hand from right to left or left to right. You pass along the model, let it dry. Do it again, one more pass, left to right, right to left, and just wait for her, let it dry. Sorry. You guys okay? You guys yeah, sorry. <laughs> Letting in the cat was probably one of my worst ideas of the day. Because he's, been all, he's, all, he's knocking over Lance. I've been trying to block him from jumping by putting my hand out. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, this is like the first time he's ever tried to get in here during a podcast, so we're not exactly okay. sure what's going on. Huh. Um. You you said something earlier, and I wanted to ask you about this. You said putting you said putting it on your models, and I was wondering, do you mean like, do you mean tanks, or do you mean like using hairspray to work on infantry models? Um, you can do chipping on anything you want. It gets yeah. a little tedious on smaller models, and it's hard to manage the scale. I know we had a discussion about scale before, and really one of the most convincing things to any weathering job is make sure making sure that the effects you use are in scale. So you're sure. not going to have huge sheets of paint coming off a powered armor guy. That's not going to look quite right. That's a good point. Like if you have like a giant chip on a shoulder pad and it's bigger than the guy's shoulder and it's, yeah, I agree. You're going to have to, you're going to have to make your technique smaller for sure. Um, right. So that makes perfect sense. Um, sorry, go ahead. And this product is, is very, it, it's incredibly consistent. And you guys, since you guys are pros, you understand that like, you don't really want to fiddle around. You don't want to mix stuff. You want something that works, and it works the same every time. And that's probably the best thing I can say about that product. Cool. Because it was, I mean, as far as all the other hairspray, I've tried some are really hard to get off, so you're you're just grinding your paintbrush against the model, getting yeah. down to the plastic. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes, like, I don't know if Philip said this, but you, you just put a teeny bit of pressure, and all of a sudden all the paint comes peeling off. This yeah. paint or this hairspray is actually the, it, I've found it to be the most consistent and effective for large or small chips. Okay, makes sense. Um, yeah, because you want something that's water-based that's not going to chip off, that's not going to damage your underlying paint layers. So, all right, we will take your recommendation that this is the hairspray. Uh, did you guys, yeah, Philip is a little younger than me, although Carlos is, is about my age. Growing up in the 80s, 
whenever my sisters were like getting ready for school in the morning, our bathroom was like a cloud of hair. It was like you walked in and it was like you either instantly got a contact high or you walked out and you felt sticky all day because it was like they just laid on the hairspray. What was the, there was these giant cans. They would do them in volume, like huge cans. Um, Now it's 33% more. Right. All right. uh, And then, on a completely different note, Philip had recommended a, uh, we mentioned this kind of earlier, but a Solvacet decal medium for decals. Mm-hmm. Philip, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, Carlos did talk about this a little bit. Um, it essentially, it's like a brush-on liquid that really seals seals the decal on. So this will actually, it's, I'm not sure what the term for it is, but it essentially, it, it heats up and almost melts the decal onto the model. So wow. it's a it's more of a permanent thing. You got to be careful with it, but the result is you don't get that sort of bump between the yeah. paint and the where the seam of the model or the decal is. It doesn't look like a decal. Yeah, it it literally will like melt it down into it. So it gives it a very very clean. Does impression. that damage the paint? Not at all. No. Wow. So um, so but, it's just it's just solventy venti enough. To do the decal, but doesn't mm-hmm. actually damage the underlying paint level. Exactly. That's so, fascinating. Um, the it, it's a little tricky when you see it when you put it on. You may notice the decal almost like shrivel up. That's it's important to let, leave it be. You don't want to touch it at this point. When it shrivels, um, leave it alone. Yeah. So it's basically it's fusing it into the model essentially. Um, oh, okay. And if you're not if you touch it, you risk ruining it. It'll definitely mess it up. So. Um, so it maybe takes, try this on a test on it. model yeah. first. But um, so I've used it. Have you used that on the GW decals? I have actually exclusively on those. I haven't tried any other decals, and it works great. I've used it for the Imperial Knight, um, and it it looks perfect. Yeah, I heard it's it's probably the hottest decal setting solution you can buy. It is. Is it for ex- sure? Is it expensive? Uh, it's like six bucks for I don't know 120 ounces of it. That's perfect. A lot. Yeah. Or it's uh, cheap. 120, you mil- get. 120 milliliters. Surely not 120 ounces. Yes, milliliters. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that would be like 10 beers. Yeah. Like, that would be like huge. A gallon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's move on to our one-minute rants. And uh, actually, you know what? We're going to do one more short break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to do our rant. So we'll be right back after this. Let's be honest. You'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. All right, guys, we are back. And uh, this is the last segment of our show, our rant portion. And uh, we try to keep the shows to an hour or less. And the last couple weeks we've been kind of going a little bit over, but, you know, we appreciate... You hanging with us. So to wrap up tonight, we're going to do our one-minute rants, and this is where we talk about something that's been bugging us or pissing us off. Um, so I'm going to start it off this week. I'm going to put a minute on the clock. And all right. What the hell, Vallejo? Vallejo makes a model air metallic paint. And for those of you that don't know, their model air series is basically their airbrush series of paints, and they're specifically designed for the airbrush. And I am a airbrush paint aficionado. I believe that if you're using an airbrush, you should use your airbrush paints. Although you can thin down regular regular pot paints, 
you're kind of defeating the entire purpose. They make lines of paints that are pre-thinned to the right consistency, or so I thought. Um, they make a line of paints called Air Metallics, and most of the time they're great. They have a really nice dark gun metal, and they have a really, really good rust color that I could swear by. And their silver colors, like their, their aluminum or their, um, their, um, their chrome colors, all of their light metal, all of their cool metal colors are great. Anything silver-based is great. And the rust, I will also say, is great. But when you get into any of their, their warm metal colors, like bright brass and gold specifically, they just fall apart. Specifically, they oxidize in the bottle. So I'm looking at a bottle of paint, and I'm looking at blue patina in the bottle. Yep. So it, it actually like clumps up in the bottle. When you try to run it through your airbrush, it, no matter how much you thin it, you basically get goop. These are brand new bottles. I had only had these for a couple months, and they completely just whittle away in the bottle. And the gold became this clumpy mess that is just worthless. You can't put it through an airbrush. And to make matters worse, they're fucking expensive. So, like, in comparison to, like, a normal airbrush paint, which I'll pay, like, I don't know, three or four bucks for for 17 milliliters, these you have to buy in exclusive sets or you have to pay a premium for them. So, like, four or five, uh, five bucks a bottle. So, what a waste of money. If for my money, if you're if I'm going to recommend any sort of metallic paint, Minotaur makes some really really good metallic paint colors for warmer colors. They make metallic, I think they call it like brass monkey or brass something, <laughs> brass balls or something like that. But they make they make that. They make a color called I think it is called brass monkey. They make a color called copper coin. They make a couple different golds. So for all of the warm metals, I just think Minotaur does a really, really great job. I will say that I do think that Vallejo Model Air does some great cold metals, like their, their aluminum or aluminium, as I have heard it called, is great. But their gold and their brass, what the hell, Vallejo. Okay, who wants to go next? Carlos, why don't you do it next? Okay. Um, you know, that's surprising, and I actually I echo your sentiment, because I bought a bottle of that Vallejo Gold, and I thought I got the one bad bottle, but no, you're right, it's, it's just, shit. It's just not good. It's the pigments. They just, they just, they're not good. Okay, so online retailers, what the fuck? You guys are advertising something coming soon, but we don't know if it's coming in the next two weeks, or the next two years, or in the next two <laughs> decades. If you guys don't have it, and don't know when you're going to get it, don't put it on your site in the now available, Okay. That's all I'm trying to say. I mean, is there anything you're specifically referring to here, or is this just more of a general? Well, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin your chance for sponsorship. Oh, okay. so names will not be named, but let's right. just say that there are particular hobby sites that say they have a particular paint in stock, and they don't. And you might wait up to four to six months until they yeah. do. And by the way, your rest of your order isn't going to get shipped to you either. Oh, wow. I, I. Okay, now I'm mad for you. Yeah. <laughs> That That's happened to me. With, that happened to me with a company a little while ago. I now I feel your pain, sir. Yeah, they yeah. should at least ship the rest of the order. Fuck that. Yeah. All right, Philip, what do you got? All right, so I was explaining to Caleb. Um, I've been trying to do OSL, and as the final color, I've been trying to use white, airbrushing white. It's a pretty common final color for OSL. It is infuriating to work with. So the brand I was working with was Golden, um, and their titanium white is amazing as a white. Um, it does not hold for like close-up details for like very fine spotlighting. Um, and I found most colors don't, or most brands don't for, for white. And maybe somebody can recommend a good one. But the problem I'm having is pressure's too high, it spiders out. It spurts out, and it looks terrible. Right. Pressure's too low, and it starts to 
almost get dusty and okay. shoot out like little bits all over the place. There's no like real concise um, technique to it. It just sprays everywhere. Um, and you get little specks of white everywhere. And I'm painting a black model right, right now. It it shows. So is this the same? So is this the same white paint that we tried on the celestial figure we did a few months ago? Like when we did the cell stamp prime, we did a lot of white on her. And I feel like mm-hmm. you brought some white. Was that it? I think yeah, I did. Yeah. I did use that white, but it is, wasn't bad for that. I don't think. Is it is it possible that it's going bad in the pot or something like that, or that it's clumping uh, in the pot maybe? Because I, I feel like so. around that time it was okay but yeah. we, weren't, we weren't doing fine detail work well yeah exactly it's the fine detail where it's it right. struggles and that's what i can't find is a good white airbrush paint that can give you very precise right. detail and by fine detail we're not saying like he's trying to dot eyeballs mm-hmm. it's more like he needs to like have a white hot center to like an effect mm-hmm. so he has to be fairly accurate with his final airbrush stroke and if you're if it's clumping in your in your in your airbrush chamber nozzle like is worthless when you finally depress the trigger it could go anywhere exactly Uh, and i clean the needle i know there's like people will tell you don't i clean the needle and make it i do one brush or one uh, shot and then i clean it off one shot i mean it doesn't seem to help so that's crazy i don't know i don't know Um, is that the fluid the fluid golden or the high flow which one is that it's the it's specifically the airbrush uh golden paint so it's made for airbrushing specifically you know, I, I have found that white pigments are always the worst with mm-hmm. airbrushing. Like, they just they just don't work well in airbrushes. And I know that everyone makes their own. Like, Cretex has a white primer, which is pretty bad. And Vallejo has an airbrush paint that's white, which is okay, but it's spotchy. And I can use it as a primer because when I'm priming white, eh, I don't really care. Cover spray doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. really matter that much. Um, the best one I've really found is Minotaur. They have, a, they have a couple whites, but they have one called Snow White. Which is pretty good, actually. Um, it's 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 thin enough and it's consistent enough that I really like it. So I use that. Um, but I agree, white primer, white paints are oh, because they're tight. <laughs> white paints are rough. So what the hell, white paints? Yes. Golden white. Golden. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we don't want you to sponsor us, Golden. If you hear this and you want to give us money, <laughs> yes. we, we will take your money and we will swear that it's the best paint ever. <laughs> Um, all right, well, that takes us into our outro this week. We are out of here for Thanksgiving or for Thanksgiving. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope you've gotten some use out of all of these tutorials. Please feel free to comment. Um, you can find out more about Work Council um, all over the place, but specifically, you can find about it on Facebook. If you just look up Work Council, it's listed as a radio station. You can also find it on the White Metal Games webpage at whitemetalgames.com slash podcasts. And you'll find the links to all of our War Council podcasts. We put up all of our show notes. Plus, we put up links to any of the things we've talked about during the podcast. Uh, we put up links to um, all of the video tutorials, any products we recommend. You can find links to those. You can also download the web the episode directly from that page. You can also download us from iTunes. If you look us up on iTunes, you can take us on the go. I doubt people are going to be doing much jogging over the holiday, but if you're going to be doing any painting over the holiday, take us, download a couple episodes. We try to update our episodes bi-monthly. So you're never too burdened with stuff to listen to, but we always try to give you something exciting to talk about. Um, All right, well, that is it for us this week. Uh, I am Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. I'm Phil Cuomo with Brushwork Minis. And Carlos. 
will hopefully be joining us again for our December episode uh, for Christmas. We're going to do one episode in December, and then we're not going to do more than that because the holidays are here and we all have shit to do. So we hope you've enjoyed this. Have a great Thanksgiving, guys. Um, if you like what we're doing, please feel free to comment on the show. Um, send us an email at uh, warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. And until next time, put your minis or your